Hello and welcome. You're listening to Radio Maria. This is Questions of Faith, and it's a program in which you have an opportunity to call in and ask a question. Um, today it's going to be myself, Tim Hutchinson, and Father Toby. Hi, Father Toby. Good morning, Tim, and good morning to all our listeners on a rather wet and uh, dreary day in London. The weather's mm. absolutely filthy today. The weather's also rather sad and soggy here down in in Cambridge. Um, although, is it down or up? How do we how do we say? Is, is it? It's always up to London, right? And down everywhere else. This is incredibly confusing, and I I don't really have any idea. If you go to Oxford, you'd definitely be going down, but perhaps Cambridge warrants. <laughs> perhaps Cambridge warrants an up. Okay, all right. Um, yeah, I I kind of just go with what whatever comes to mind when I'm when I'm saying it. Usually for me, north is up and south is down, but um, in England it seems to have different different rules. Um, yes, we had a fire drill this morning. Um, it was quite eventful. On uh, fortunately, the rain wasn't wasn't raining when we got outside, um, but it, that was a bit of excitement for for us here in the studio just before mass started. Um, not quite. There you go. Listeners, Tim doesn't get out that much. That's why <laughs> he has to take take his excitement where he can get it. We'll, we'll give him more fire drills. That's the only way you can get me out of the studio is with a fire. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Let's let's get on with with uh, this wonderful program, where we get to to answer questions. Um, Father Toby, would you begin with a prayer, please? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of this day. We thank you for the the gifts of hearts that and minds that desire to know you and to love you. And we ask that this program might be an occasion of our coming closer to you, of us knowing your word more clearly, of following you more nearly, and of loving you more dearly. And we, we pray for our, all, our, all our callers, all our listeners, especially somebody who has a question on their heart who might be a little bit shy about coming forwards for it. We ask that the Lord might grant them, grant them courage. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So we'll, we'll give out the number for those who um, don't know it. It's 01223-375-564. I'll give it again. 01223-375-564. And um, the lines are currently open. So if anybody wants to call, you don't have to wait um, a moment. It's it's We'll have you right on air. Um I have Alessio in the studio. Alessio, do you want to say hello to hello. Father Toby? Hi, Father Toby. Hi, Hi Alessio. <laughs> Alessio, do you have a, a question for us? Yeah. Uh, okay, so my question is this. I got a friend who is a Protestant, and uh, we have discussed things, um, and, you know, particularly about some of the major uh, say, points of disagreement between the... Catholic, the Catholic uh, faith and some Protestants, uh, you know, doctrines, and in particular, uh, we uh, kind of clash on the uh, salvation by faith alone, and uh, I think we have got you know common ground as well because um, 
it's um, when they talk about faith alone, they also mean you know deeds. But then from the um, like like you know definition also stems you know the fact that you know for for you know some of them the um, like you know they say once saved uh, always saved. And I try to I I, I, I quoted some of the scriptures, but um, he was not convinced. So I don't know if if you can maybe. Uh, expand on that and explain uh, uh, why you know faith al- why you know faith alone is not enough for you know salvation. Mm. So you you wanted to know where there's common ground and where perhaps we um, diverge. Yes, 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 and also sort of how we can show some of the shortcomings of um, the the doctrine of faith alone, um, where it falls short. And um, why, and how we can do this convincingly to Protestants? Yes, yes. yes. Okay. Um, all right. Shall I start with this one, Father Toby? Because I, sure. I, I have a bit of um, experience <clears throat> with this. So, what I found very interesting about this was that um, even even when Protestants are are kind of so, I, my background, as a lot of the listeners would know, is that I was border protestant um and not just nominally but quite quite uh kind of had a, a very sincere very kind of um you know like I, I was i was a committed christian in the protestant tradition if we can call it that um and one of the things that convinced me of the catholic claim that that uh, we're not saved by faith alone was that it was scriptural and um the only place that you find the words faith and alone next to each other in in scripture is in the book of James, where it says we are not saved by faith yes. alone. Um, and I think that that's, you know, that should be enough um, to 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 kind of disprove the doctrine. But sadly, it, it tends not to be <laughs> enough. Um, and, and that, I think, points to just how important... Uh, Martin Luther's doctrine is for Protestants, um, even in the face of a, a scripture that contradicts what he says. Um, it is. It's still it, there's still a, a kind of desire to hold on to that belief. Um, but what what I think is is really helpful is to look at the Council of Trent. I know that that might might be uh, seem a little bit beyond p- people, but the way that the Council of Trent actually deals with this is that it shows that um, uh, there's different ways in which we're saved. Um, so there's the, ultimately we're saved through Christ's um, salvation, you know, his work on the cross. And faith has a um, has a function within that larger picture, as do works as well. And I think what's helpful with speaking to Protestants is to take a, a step back and to say, actually, um, let's not make a work out of faith. Because, you know, they, they say we're not saved by, by works. Let, let's, let's be careful that we don't turn faith into a, an action of our own that, that can save us. And let's remember that we're saved first and foremost by Jesus Christ. And then there are all these other things that fit in in different ways, one of them being faith. Um, I don't know if if that's helpful, uh, Alessio. Oh, yes, yes. Um, Father Toby, do you have anything you want to um, add or correct? Yeah, like it's a, 
it's a it's a massive topic and if there was a kind of a a simple and a and a sort of a slam dump argument in some point then then it would still be having sort of this discussion over and over again um like it seems it seems it seems pretty clear to me from the 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 biblical testament that um that a that a transformation of of life is is necessary for 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 salvation but for somebody who who is going to say that we are are saved by by faith alone as if what we do does not matter um then i would i would ask them to to explain to me how they understand uh, that passage in in Matthew chapter 25 the the judgment of the of the nations um uh with the with the 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 son of man coming in glory and separating um you know the peoples as a shepherd separates the the sheep from the the goats and then Jesus refers again and again to to the sort of what we understand as as corporal works of of mercy um and and it seems clear in that 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 to perform these corporal works of of mercy is necessary for our salvation hmm. now the um I, I don't I don't know how how you manage to say no like our, our works are works are irrelevant and I also don't I don't fully understand the 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 motivation to to say that our that our works are irrelevant other than a kind of an extreme form of like, scrupulosity in a, in a certain way which seems to be some people suggest this is what Luther suffered from um well there's no doubt that he was he, he was scrupulous um and he it's clear from his from his own writings and that he was incredibly sort of scared and worried about his uh, about his own sal- salvation mm-hmm. um and so this this sort of um sort of I, I don't quite know how to describe it but this 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 sense of like discovery that he then then had um that we're that we're saved by faith alone caused him like great great relief um but but i just don't think the biblical testament is is there is there for it um now what what it's important to say to our, our protestant brothers and, and sisters who who hold fast to the idea of salvation by faith alone is that we are not saying that sort of acts of charity um are our own works mm-hmm. um and we're also not saying that acts of charity um are sort of acts of charity irrespective of of faith this this has been a, a, a failing mm-hmm in the in the church um and and in her teaching which which sort of in in its worst form becomes a the the church just becomes another organization of of social of social justice um not that social justice isn't isn't important but rather what we do flows out of our relationship with jesus christ a relationship which begins with the with the gift of faith um saint thomas aquinas he defines you know charity um as friendship with god and all of the all of the works that we do flow out of this friendship with god out of the the love for the things that he that he that he loves 
there is no sort of Christian charity which is which is divorced from from faith. Um, and so I think you know we have to point out that we that we believe that all of our good works start with the the grace of God. We can say in a certain way we can say say by say by grace alone, um, but not by not by faith faith alone. Mm. I think it's also helpful to realize that um, you know it's even even says in scripture that um, the greatest of these is love. Like so, faith is not even the. Um, it, it's not the be all and the end all. It's not even the. Um, it's not even enough in a sense because in that famous passage in Corinthians on love, he says, "If I had all the faith, um, you know, to move mountains, but had not love, I'd be nothing." Which kind of makes one think that um, that faith is not the. It's not even uh, sufficient. Um, it's necessary, um, but, it's not necessary but not sufficient. Yeah, and I, I think that you know to to uh, maybe maybe a a way that you could approach this, Alessia, is to do a little scripture study on um, on salvation and and see how often and in what way faith comes into the picture. Because I think I think that would probably flesh out the picture a little bit more. For yes, you. yes, definitely. Yeah. I'm interestingly I. Because I ask him, what if a person who has faith uh, in the last maybe twenty days of his life, uh, you know, commits uh, you know murder, like will he still like you not know, be sa- uh, you know saved? And I, I think that for some of them, it, the you know the answer is that someone who then you know commits murder, uh, you know, hasn't actually had uh, faith in the first place. So it seems to me that you know the concept of faith already includes you know deeds i don't know if that makes sense yeah that's a that's a good observation i think um yeah I've, i I've, think you can have faith and commit a murder but what you're lacking then is is charity let's say you you commit that you commit that murder sort of conscious of what you're doing as opposed to sort of in some sort of crime crime of passion okay um so there that the failure would be a a lack of a lack of charity um, and in a sense, sense like a lack of charity, we can see as flowing from a from a lack of faith. Because if I if I truly believe, you know, Jesus to be who he who he says he is, then my then my heart sort of follows, and my desire, strengthened by his, fueled by his grace, and strengthened by his grace to to live as he live also follows. So faith is the is the context is the is the canvas on which all of the the Christian life is is painted. Um but there does have to be the sort of painting of the of the works of of charity. Like the 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 image of the image of Christ has to be sort of painted on that canvas. Otherwise it's just a blank a blank canvas. Hmm. Well, I hope that was helpful. Yeah. Alicia. Yes. Yeah. Good. Yes. Definitely. Thanks for your answer. Sorry. There is one one final thing that I should say on that, which is just also that um, you know the 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 Catholic um, Church uh, and the Lutheran World Federation did actually sign a, a an historic joint declaration on on justification. Mm. Um, I forget the year that that was in. Now it's not. Not that long, not that long ago. Um, probably look that up, but you know that that would be worth you know reading reading together to try and come to to some sort of understa- understanding of 
yeah. of one another. And just it to, was it was in 1999. Just looking okay. now. Yeah, and what that means is that the the theologians on both sides, um, and I mean, this wouldn't necessarily be speaking for all Lutherans, but um, for a, a certain, I think it might have been a, a German uh, part of the Lutherans. Uh, actually looked at what is said in Catholic theology on faith, uh, on salvation, and looked at what is said in in Lutheran theology and said, actually, we agree um, on the essential rather than disagree. And the argument, which is such a momentous argument in the history of of Christendom that split um, the church, was more a matter of semantics than of yeah. of a I, fundamental difference, yes. which I think is is huge. It's really really big that that such a, a stride has been made um, between, um, you know, on such a historic issue. We I, I want us to get uh, get on to some some callers, um, and we have someone who's been patiently waiting. So I want to want to answer them, um, but let's have a short piece of music and uh, and then we'll be right back thank you so much alessio started listening this is radio maria and um it's questions of faith here at your table love's mystery
Listening to Questions of Faith on Radio Maria, and that was Bread of Life by Boyce and Stanley. Uh, we have a question from Raj. Um, unfortunately, he hasn't sent a voice note, not one that I've seen. Um, it's always lovely to hear his voice. Uh, so the question is Does the Bible say anything about the European Union? Thanks. Now, I'm not sure where to start with this one. Do you want to give it a go? Amusingly, around the uh, around the time of the, the Brexit vote, um, I read about a, a mural that uh, appeared in, a, in an area of, of Belfast, and, uh, and the mural said, vote, leave EU, and then, uh, and then had after it uh, Revelation 18.4. Um, and that verse is... And I heard another voice from the heaven saying, come out of her, my people, that ye not be partakers of her sins and that you receive not of her plagues. Um, now, clearly somebody thinks that this uh, verse refers to the, to the EU. Um, it's uh, pretty, pretty certain that the, the church has not definitively taught yet that this in fact is what that verse um, relates to. So I would say the, the surprising thing about the New Testament in a certain way is, is how little it has to say about um, nations. Mm. In the, and, and, it, and if you're going there looking for a, a sort of a, a, a political policy or a, or a, a sense of how a, how a state um, ought, to be, ought to be run or how relations between countries ought to work or an immigration policy, you're just not going to, you're just not going to find it. Um, there's far more about uh, nations and the building up of, of nations in, in, the, um, in, in the Old Testament, um, in part because it's so important um, that as as God reveals Himself to to the to the Jewish people, that they that they form a, a distinct identity. Um, because one of one of the things that we see is like we can see it in our in our own age, and we and we see it in in the history of the if the Jewish people is that we like to fit in, we like to sort of 
blending and it's very easy to to just slip into the practices of of others particularly when we don't have a secure identity of our, of our own and so this is in some way how the church um understands the the ceremonial um laws of the of the of the jewish people and of the old testament it's how the church makes sense of the fact that that jesus says that he comes not to abolish the law to fulfill, but to fulfill it um and that you know not not an iota shall be shall shall be shall be lost um and yet at the same time doesn't observe all of the of the jewish law you know partly on the on the back of christ's witness himself when he says you know it's not what goes into a man's mouth that makes him unclean but what comes what comes out um but nonetheless this this law was important to give israel a distinct sense of herself and to not slip into the into the habits of the gentile nations and god it's clear in his um pattern of of, of salvation that he sets in motion that desires that there be the the 12 tribes of of israel um but also the way that um that it that it's understood that what the church will be the the fulfillment of israel is is to call all nations into into herself um so that's a long way of saying that uh no there isn't anything i think in in the bible um about the the eu or or even an, anything that we might take more broadly um and be able to say is the eu a good idea or is it a bad I- idea hmm. um my 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 personal vision is that there were there were lots of good catholic motivations in the in the founding of the eu um but that i think um it sort of quite a lot of mission drift in a certain sense um went on and that the the principles of of catholic social teaching which we would want to find present in in any institution namely those of of solidarity and subsidiarity um that actually particularly subsidiarity um was sort of offended by certain aspects of the eu in that decisions were not being made at the at the the lowest most local mm. level that they sh- that they should be and i and i think that contributed to a to a sense of certain peoples um who alienation from from the eu um that's why a, a sense of the narrative of bureaucrats in in brussels um took over now that was also sort of stirred by sort of popular elements of the of the press and not all the reporting was was always true but but nonetheless i think in in, in the eu decisions are are made uh in a centralized way which would be more properly made at at local levels and then also i think with the a bit the the greek economic sort of crisis then sort of the the solidarity that should sort of occur between eu nations if it's to be meaningful in a in a catholic way didn't really occur and sort of greece just got a little bit hung out to to dry that doesn't that doesn't mean that's not me saying that i um i think we're we're better off out than we were um in i don't really have uh, a strong uh, view one way or the other i'm much more concerned with uh with preaching and trying to encourage people to to grow personally in virtue and then i think good institutions will follow from from good virtuous people mm. i don't think we can 
um, cultivate virtue through in institutions alone. Amen to that. <laughs> I think that's a that's a great um, way of 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 looking at it. Um, I'm trying to think of what else we can take away from this question because obviously there was a specific motivation behind it um, that I want to make sure that we're we're getting at, and um, I think you've covered a, a great deal in what you said. Um, maybe maybe to talk about nationalism and whether that is a a good thing um and uh what i found really helpful in recent years is is to see that nationalism is not actually um a christian virtue um that it's and and to to realize that nations are transient and they're not things that we should kind of make the the foundation of of our identity um and i just find that kind of distance um that one should maintain between oneself and 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 these identities very helpful um but beyond that i'm not sure if i'd say much more i was in a conversation recently actually that where, where we where somebody made the distinction between patriotism and nationalism and i found that very very interesting. I think you might have sp said something about this recently, if I remember correctly, Father Toby. I'm not sure I have rec recently, um, but but patriotism, I certainly uh, stand to be a to, to be a virtue, one of the yeah. the sub the sub virtues of the the virtue of of, of justice, um, and uh, sort of without going sort of too into depth of that, I think sort of. G G K Chesterton gets at the sort of the virtue of patriotism very well when he talks about his love for his love for Pimlico, um, and that he loves um, and the way that he loves Pimlico is not by insisting that she's perfect, but by desiring the perfection mm. of Pimlico. And so when we see that, you know, we have we have to love things, and we have to sort of love where we live because if we don't love where we where we live. Then we won't actually desire that it become better. We won't desire the the good for of the people with whom we share the the place um, where we where we live. Um, but that sounds, you know, to some people that's a red flag. If I go, oh, I love where I live, or I love England, or I love um, London, because we've developed a, an idea of love uh, that's just been conflated with pure affirmation. Um, but rather love love sees truly um love sees faults and desires that they be remedied love sees goodness and uh, and gives thanks and, and rejoices in that and we we need we need both hmm. and the other thing that this this uh, person pointed out to me in the conversation i was having about patriotism as uh, opposed to nationalism was that patriotism has a kind of uh, appreciation for what one has inherited within a certain context within a certain culture and then it behaves differently when you find yourself within another culture is um although i, do, I don't think i'd be able to articulate it as well as he did but it was very interesting uh, that that this these two categories were quite separated in his mind and um and and worth uh what actually i'm, I'm interested what, what was the distinction they made between uh patriotism and, and nat nationalism how did they distinguish those two sir so, i'm as i'm saying it I'm, I'm trying to remember but that that sense of having inherited something um that is 
that you did do not deserve um you know that you you didn't work for it just is yours through um like being born into a certain kind of culture um and then feeling like you are in some ways need to uh pass that on to to the next generation that was one of the things but i can't remember now exactly how they contrasted that with um with nationalism i don't come from a very nationalistic uh sort of you know context so it's not it's it's not easy for me to to um relate to that we do have a caller by the way so save you from definitely save me um yeah uh radio Mira, hello hello this is uh debbie Ah, oh, Debbie, uh, here you are. How are you? <laughs> I'd left my phone at home. I mentioned a question to you earlier, and yes. then I thought, oh, I can't ask it. But I've just got home, so have I got time yes, to ask you do. it now? Yes, you're on air. Um, Go for it. Um, lovely. Um, I was listening to the homily this morning, and the priest was talking about um, uh, Jacob's change of name to Israel, and that it means the one who strives with God. And um, I suddenly remembered that... Um, when he struggles with God um, overnight, he's wounded in the hip. And I wondered, what does that actually mean? Why is he wounded in the hip? Does it have some special significance mm. for us? So for, for maybe for those who aren't so familiar with the passage, it's, uh, there's, there's this very curious um, thing that happens where Jacob is wrestling with an angel throughout the night and he the angel asks him, uh, says, let me go. And Jacob says, um, I won't let you go until you bless me. And then the angel blesses Jacob, but also touches his hip. And, um, and he, the, the socket goes out of joint and he from then on walks with a limp, um, because he's been wounded in his hip. It's a very curious, uh, passage. And, and as Debbie pointed out, his name is also changed from Jacob to Israel. Um, so I have a few ideas of, of inter interpretive ideas. Uh, I don't know if you would like to, to go first. No, you go, you go, you go first on that. <laughs> I'm intrigued to hear what you're going to say. Um, well, the, the way that it was, it was interpreted for me when I was a, a child, there was a, um, I remember hearing a, a sermon on this and it was kind of, it, it was, it, Jacob was incredibly headstrong um, you know, he he was the the uh, deceiver. Um, you know, he he tricked his brother out of his his birthright, um, and then he has this encounter with God where um, he is he receives a wound, and that wound is something that um, gives him it humbles him, um, so that thereafter there's almost like an inverse of, of what happens to him spiritually. Um, physically, he becomes, uh, you know, not this kind of proud, headstrong, standing tall a person. He, he walks with a limp, but um, inwardly, he has come into a new relationship with, with God, one of intimacy and one of, um, uh, uh, not of... Uh, of negotiation and of trickery um so that that's as best as i can remember it father toby right um yeah look, i've i've heard numerous sort of things on this it, it's not um 
uh, I've not preached on this in a in in a, in, a, in a while, so nothing nothing sort of particularly fresh in my head. But it's in a certain sense that um, I think the sort of the, the the wrestling the wrestling with God the, the importance of that is well for for us is that you know God is, God is God is personal and in a and in a certain sense you know to to be in Jacob symbolizes that that sense in the way that we're all wrestling with God in a in a certain way um and and particularly in the early stages of faith uh desiring that um you know God God be forced to do our will um rather than that we end up doing God's will and and that this injury to the to the to the hip is a is is a sign of what Jacob's weakness in in the light of God for the for the rest of his the rest of his life and and that it's actually a a gift in that sense because it reminds him of of his of his need for God and of the of the of the strength um of God um but I don't have anything more more profound I'm afraid uh, mm. to say than that um I've yeah, got cause... a commentary in in front of me, but I haven't I haven't had time to 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 cheat to cheat from that and get from it. But it's a very it's a very good commentary. So, are you looking at the one from BibleRef.com? No, I'm I've got my uh, new interpreter's sort of Bible uh, comment commentary. Debbie, did um, you have any kind of um, stab at the at the answer to user? Um... Um, no, no, no. I don't, I think. Um, it, yes, it's interesting in that, in a way, we need to be humbled in order to um, submit to God, don't we? And so maybe that is the significance. But I also wondered if the the word for hip in Hebrew had some particular significance mm. and um, symbolism. But I'll have to go away and look that up. <laughs> One of the uh, things that's yeah, mentioned in in the commentary I'm just looking at is that it it's it points out that. Um, that Jacob grabs his brother's heel, you know, in the womb, and that's how he comes uh, comes out first, and mm. and makes a connection between, mm. you know, maybe there's a connection between him being touched in the hip and mm. Um, mm. and having usurped his brother's place through through the the heel. Um, mm. But I, I I think Yaakov might mean heel actually. Um, it means heel grabber, according to this yeah. commentary. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. The, com- the commentary here says, um, the author presents a poignant portrayal of Jacob limping down the road towards the promised land as the sun's first rays peak over the horizon. Jacob mm. may now move on toward his goal. At the mm. same time, Jacob has been sharply and perhaps permanently marked by this struggle with God. What is the mm. significance of the mark? On the one hand, it signifies Jacob's success, not his failure or defeat. He has struggled and prevailed. As such, Jacob does not become a victim of God, reduced to groveling or to nothing before the power of the Almighty. On the other hand, it attests to God's graciousness. Jacob has mm. wrestled with God to the break of day, yet his life is preserved. So the mark mm. symbolizes both who Jacob is and who God is. And then, as it says, by means of a dietary regulation, which isn't mentioned elsewhere in the Old Testament, Israel's memory memory will be continually jogged regarding the struggle between Jacob and God. This regulation institutionalizes the memory. It provides an ongoing mark of self-identification for Jacob's descendants. 
Um, and I think that's helpful in going back. I don't know if you had the earlier question we had about the, the EU and how we got into nationalism and, and patriotism about actually, like, is it is it essential for salvation that you don't eat the, the, the tendon in the hip joint? No, clearly not. But is is there a use in that of like our, our dietary habits um, give us religious reminders, take our mind back to our, our salvation history? Then yeah, there is a is a real use in that. So that's why customs, even in in the way that we live out our religious life and and, and traditions, really matter. Even if some of those um, traditions sort of change over the, over the course of time, and it's why I think it was a good thing when the bishops in this country reinstituted the, uh, the Friday fast from from meat. Even if saying that now, I think oh, a steak would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for such a great question, Debbie. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, wonderful. That's about all we have time for today, unfortunately. Um, Father Toby, would you like to end with the prayer for us, please? God, we give you thanks for the the gift of this radio and making your your word better heard. We we thank you for the maternal intercession of our Blessed Mother. Um, We ask that we might be made more like her, attentive to your to your word and obedient in all things, trusting in your wisdom and your goodness. And so we seek the intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This was a Radio Maria podcast. If you enjoyed it, do please click like and subscribe on your podcast provider or leave us a review every bit of feedback helps increase our visibility and allows us to reach more people with the message of christ's saving truth and if you don't already you can listen to radio maria live either online or on dab in selected regions of the uk we'd love for you to call in live and be part of the conversation see our website radiomariaengland.uk for more details and a full schedule of programs and do please consider making a donation so that we can keep making more programs like this we are completely dependent upon the generosity of our listeners